Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness and what it all means. Today, I have Dina Miriam on the show, and we are going to talk past lives and past lives and past lives. Dina is an author, storyteller, and founder of the convener convener of the Global Peace Initiative of Women, bringing spiritual resources to address critical global challenges, such as conflict, social justice, and ecological scarring of the earth. Over the years, she has worked to bring greater gender balance and balance between the Abrahamic and Dharmic-based religious traditions for a more inclusive interfaith movement. Her first book, Journey Through Time, a spiritual memoir of life, death, and rebirth, takes Dina on a journey back through seven consecutive lives, revealing the intricate patterns that emerge as one life leads into another picking up and furthering themes initiated at an earlier time. Her second book, The Untold Stories of Sita, an empowering tale for our time, takes the reader back to a much earlier age, several thousand years BCE, to a pre-patriarchal era when humanity had not fully separated itself from the natural world. Her third book, When the Bright Moon Rises, Ancient Awake- Awakening Ancient Memories, is currently out. And she has a fourth book in the works now. Welcome, Dina, to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We finally, finally got it to work. Um, We had a couple of mishaps, but here we are with my dog barking in the background, of course. Hi there. Thanks so much, as always, for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Each episode costs more than you might think. Software tools to make graphics, write my newsletter, audio equipment and engineering, subscriptions to syndicate across Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, it all adds up. In order to stay a sane mom of three school-age kids, I obviously have help producing this podcast. I have help creating it. I have help with a lot because I'm a big believer in asking for help. Um, But all of this comes out of my pocket. So if possible, I would like to continue to keep my podcast ad-free, which means I would love for your help contributing. If just 10% of my listeners contributed on Patreon, I would be able to cover all of the costs of this podcast. So I totally recognize that not everybody can contribute. And what I can ask you to do if you can't is to follow me on social media to rate and review the podcast. And you can do that anywhere that you listen to your podcast. There's three little dots on Apple Podcasts where you can go to any episode and rate and review. Um, Also pass the podcast along. Your recommendations are what keeps the podcast alive and keeps the podcast going. So if you feel so compelled to contribute, it would really mean a lot to me. You can do that on Patreon. Uh, just go to patreon.com and put in Dr. Amy Robbins. Also, please follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins, at just Dr. Amy Robbins. Uh, feel free to send me any emails at team at dramyrobbins.com and just reach out. I love hearing from you and I love hearing how the podcast is impacting your life. So here we go with today's episode. Um, so let's start with, how you came to know all of these 
previous lives? Because this is, I mean, you go all the way back. Well, it started um, several decades ago. Uh, and I think, you know, when you're born, when we're born, it's like a door closes by necessity because you're in a new surrounding and you have to accomplish what you set out for yourself. So if you remembered all of your past, it would be distracting to say the least <laughs> and confusing. Um, and so that's, that is the natural process, but somehow it's almost like a flap was left, left open for me um, uh, for reasons that I won't go into, but uh, I had many premonitions in my youth and then in my twenties. And then by the time I reached my thirties, I was beginning to have very concrete recall of my birth just previous to this. And it was uh, disorienting, very disorienting. Uh, I was a, a single mom, just newly divorced. I had two teenage sons to raise. And here I was finding myself back in, 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 in um, pre-war Russia and then in Second, second World War to uh, uh, Europe. And so I was in and out of <laughs> having to function in, in my current life and yet having all these memories of a previous birth. And, and it was just sort someone, of, yeah, go ahead. You were going to say just triggered by somebody I met, which is often the way it is with me, either meeting somebody uh, who triggers it or going to a place and the place triggers it. So I was, I was very skeptical at first because I had been married, even though I was a, a, a serious meditation practitioner since the age of 20. So a lot of this came to me through my meditations, but I um, had been married before my divorce to a, a psychiatrist. And so naturally I checked myself out. I went to places that I had seen in my memory, uh, in the memories, and I confirmed with certain people, certain things that I had, that I suddenly knew, but didn't know before. Uh, and so I took a somewhat scientific approach uh, um, and this spread out over a period of about a year. Uh, and once I had fully recaptured the narrative, uh, including seeing my death and remembering aspects of that period in between, for me, it was about 10 years before I took birth again. And a few years later, I met somebody and that triggered a whole another series of memories of the life just previous to that. And then the same thing happened some years later where I saw the, the life just previous to that. So I was able to see three lifetimes and see how they were very connected, that things that took place in one shaped the next. Uh, and so um, I began to be intrigued by this understanding. I've always actually been very interested in this cause and effect, the law of karma, mm -hmm. but I began to see it. So it wasn't just a concept for me because you can hear about it, but when right. you actually see the law in operation, things set in motion at one time that find completion in the future. Uh, it, it's totally different when you when you begin. So, that, so it, it just, as I began to piece together these lives, so I was able to sequence a period, about six, about six, seven lives, seven lives, but six were sequentially and then one went back further. Uh, I, I saw an amazing pattern, like a beautiful mandala interweaving of people and uh, aspirations and desires and behavior patterns. I mean, anything we struggle with, a, a, a behavior pattern, whatever it is, whether we have inertia, we can't get things done, or whether we're too active and don't and not and not enough reflective enough. These are things that we've personality traits that we've carried with us. So, so 
in the process of this, which was spanning over about a decade, I began to ask myself, so who am I? Who am I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> am I Dina? Am I Sonia? Am I Elizabeth? Am I that one? Am I that one? So you knew I have so many questions. Can I pause again? Sure. So the first one is, you said it was 10 years between the post-war life and this one that you came back to. Now, I've heard different variations on how long you have to wait to come back into a new incarnation. Um, There's no set time frame. Okay. And, it's, and each time it's different. You know, I've seen periods where it's been short. I mean, they say that time is very flexible. So what seems like a year here may be a day in that other dimension. So that we call it another dimension, a non-physical dimension. Mm -hmm. So what seems like a long time here could pass very quickly there. And uh, I've seen a time when there have been a few hundred years between births for me. Uh, and, and so each time it's different and for each person, there are instances where some, we, you know, especially if, if there's been a premature death, uh, you could return very quickly mm -hmm. because basically it's the conditions and we decide that ourselves, basically, you know, we not maybe consciously, but unconsciously, we, we set ourselves, we, we find conditions to be born into that will help us achieve what we need to achieve, whether it's to work on a certain thing uh, or whether it's to, to um, be in relationship with certain people that related those relationships hadn't been finished. So it all depends on the conditions. When the conditions are right to achieve what you need to achieve, that's when you take birth. So has there been a thread for which each past life has been ignited for you? Like, is it around relationships? Is it around um, work stuff? Is it like, what is the thing that causes you to say, holy cow, I had a past life. Like what opens that portal for you? It's, it's both people and places. Going okay. to places. Okay. Going to places. Often, okay. you going to places um, often stimulates a memory. Okay. And often it's meeting people that awakens the memory. And I describe that very much in the book, My Journey Through Time, how I would go, I would meet, a person would come into my life, awaken a memory, and once that had been fully recaptured, the, the, the basic narrative of that life, that person moves out of my life. <laughs> mm, okay. And, and there have been many instances of that where, there, the, you know, people come into our life for short periods of time, sometimes a year or two, either through work or through something that we're, we're at a certain place and time, and then you move on and you sort of outgrow that need to, to you know, something's completed. And it could happen quickly or it could, it could, it could take a long time. It's like when people often get divorced, it was like suddenly the karma is done. Something snaps. It's like finished. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. can try to hold on to it, but whatever you had to do together had been done, had been, been accomplished. Okay. So you, so you have known seven of your previous lives. Many more than that now. When I wrote the book, that's what it was. Okay. And, and did you need to have any past life regression to access more of these? You just got there on your own. Yeah. So, yeah. so can you take us, I don't even know where to, to, to the beginning, because in, in When the Bright Moon Rises, you start, is that your first life that you recount in this or the first life you remember? In The Bright Moon Rises, it goes back 
um, it goes back very far, in, it begins very far back in time. And that happened when I was visiting, when I was visiting a certain temple in India, and which I had visited before, but, but uh, in, in Varanasi, somehow that particular visit, uh, I was ripe. Again, it's timing. I had visited that temple before, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. But um, several years later, it may have been seven years later when I went back to the temple, suddenly I fell into a reverie and I began seeing things from the past. Um, and and I, that's how the beginning of the Bright Moon Rises, the first section of it shows that. But there was a, a, um, a really deep love that, that, that got cut off that never found fulfillment in that life. And that was a very painful experience in that life. And I took a vow not to meet that man again for a long, long time. And the second part of the book shows the meeting in China many, many, many lifetimes later mm -hmm. where it comes to com completion. But the interesting thing for me, and, and because to me, it's not just a matter of curiosity. With each life I've seen, I've, I've um, imbibed deep spiritual teachings. Mm -hmm. There's always been someone. And, and the thing about um, when the bright moon rises, both in the first part of the book in India, there was a teacher there. And it was the time of the Vedas, a very ancient time in India. It was also a time when there was much more harmony on earth, where we were still living in a very natural setting, very much in harmony with the forces of nature. Um, there was no warfare, no cruelty to other people. There was a time like that. There was a time like that. I know? want to remember that time. Well, that that to me was part of the incentive for sharing this was there was a time like that when humans lived very differently, very simply with 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 no greed and no desire for things because the fulfillment was found just in the day to day living in the world, in, mm -hmm. in the sun, in the moon. And, you know, these were the things that brought fulfillment and joy, uh, a simple, a very simple, but very refined consciousness in many ways. And then that part ends and I find myself in China, which that memory came. I was, I was um, uh, organizing a conference in Bangkok and there were some Chinese delegates there, one in particular, a young woman who I deep, I knew her before we deeply bonded and suddenly I was seeing before meaning before in this life or before in a previous life. Oh, uh, and I had seen, we had known each other for a few years in this life. Okay. It wasn't my first meeting with her, but somehow we were, we were very connected during this week long conference. And I began to then see the second part of the book, which takes place in, in China and in it tongue during the Tang empire. And in that uh, experience, I began to receive the teachings of the Tao, which I didn't know much about before. Mm. But suddenly I find myself, I found myself as a Taoist, thinking as a Taoist, uh, because Tao is very much in tune with the laws of the universe, with the natural way. Um, and to me, that was such a gift to come to, come to an understanding of this profound tradition, made me see China very differently, very differently. I began to see the, the spiritual depth of the civilization. Mm. And, um, you know, we all have, we all form our opinion of China based on the current situation, which is, which is very limited. I mean, it's, it's now, but it has many thousands of years behind it. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a future that will be different. Mm -hmm. um, so I dedicate that book to the people of India and China, um, 
the two powers, I believe, of the future who have very ancient civilizations, much older. Uh, I mean, there are old civilization, indigenous civilizations in the West, uh, but, but they're not prominent on the world scene. These are two very ancient civilizations that actually have a lot in common, a lot in common. Uh, um, and so how do we, how do we, how do we get beyond the, the, the political clutter, the kind of the, the static and begin to connect through, through the ancient, to the ancient culture? Mm -hmm. What have been some of the spiritual experiences or lessons, um, lessons that always sounds kind of cliche to me, even though I know that's what they are. Uh, what are some of those spiritual awakenings, knowledge that you've gained kind of looking back through these lives? And can you also speak a bit to karma and how can you, can you use your experience as an, ex as an example of showing us how that kind of plays out? So the, 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 there are several main teachings that, that came to me through the, these experiences. One is it totally changed my relationship with what we call death. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a big one because I'm perking I, up. I think this that's is my thing. I think that's the next frontier for human, for science. I think there are a few frontiers. One is to, to acknowledge the existence of other dimensions, what we call the celestial worlds. Let's mm -hmm. just call them other dimensions, the other mm -hmm. dimensions of reality that, you know, our sense perceptions are very limited. Uh, you know, there could be beings here that we don't see because our eyes are not uh, created to see those, those life, those, th th those forms. <laughs> right. Or our brains can't take in and process yeah. that information. So we, we, we see it, we take see it out a fabricated world there's much more that we don't see than we do see mm -hmm. and so to acknowledge the existence of other dimensions and then to acknowledge that that um that our consciousness is is separate from from the material form from the body and that when we die we leave the body we take with us our memories and you know i found in writing when the first book my my journey my journey through time I was I was I was capturing a lifetime in 40 pages. They're highlights. And I began to look at my current life and say, well, what 40 pages would I write about my current life? Right. The highlights that I take with me. And I think that's a very useful exercise to look back. It's certainly, certainly when you've come past a certain age where you have experience and you have relationships that you work through and you say, okay, what what are the highlights of this life? What, what are the memories that I'm going to take with me? We take our memories. Well, and so, I also, when I hear you say highlights, I think too, initially it's like, what were the best, you know, the best of, but I also think what were the worst of, because the worst of is what transformed for me into the best of it's what may has made me a better human. I hope. It's like to make steel, you have to go through fire. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the, the the they're all what I so so number one is it changed my relationship with with what we call death. Number two, I realized the foundation of the universe is love, and that that's what we take with us from lifetime of these relationships. Um, 
it, it can be love, you know, sort of like romantic love relationships. Often for me, it was the love of the teachers, love of the of the spiritual guides mm. who kept pouring love into me, even when I was ignorant and not understanding. And yet the patience and the love that was poured from these other realms is mind boggling. And so, and so to realize this and to try to be more receptive to that love was a huge evolution for me since I first started writing. Uh, and then the understanding of the law of cause and effect, the law of causation. We think of it as health, money, or relationships. You know, if you don't have money, it's like, oh, what did I do in my past? You know, or, right. or you know, we think of it as judgment. It's not, it's not judgment at all. It's, it's the universe seeking to balance itself. Thought is energy. And every, every, it's like, it's like gravity. You throw something up, it comes down. Whatever energy is put out must find its equilibrium. And so it's all for our own uh, awakening. All the things that happen to us, good and bad, are for our own awakening. So I got to see a deeper level of karma, which is behavior patterns. If you have, um, I saw for myself, especially going back in the first book, that for many lives, I felt I didn't have a voice as a woman. Mm -hmm. I've also captured a life where I wasn't a woman, but the last number of lives, I was a woman. And I saw that I, I felt I could, didn't have control over my life, uh, uh, marriage or uh, how, you know, functioning in the world. I was restricted in what I could do. When I went back in time to an earlier time, to especially to the time of Sita, that wasn't the case. That was pre-patriarchal. Mm -hmm. And there were many great women saints and teachers and women had freedom of movement. It was a whole different thing. It's important to remember that there was a time that was pre-patriarchal. Um, so I, I, I saw that finding my voice as a woman was, a, was essential for me in this life. And then I looked back and I said, my goodness, I... I started this global peace initiative of women to highlight the voices of women spiritual leaders before I even knew why. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask if that came post or pre these realizations. It, and, it, and it was unintended. It was completely unintended. I found myself in the position where I was asked to do this and it sounded like a good idea. So I did it, but I, I, I didn't have my memories at that point And I wasn't thinking, aha, this is going to help me fulfill that. But it all made sense when I looked back and saw the circumstances that led me to form this organization, which was to really give leadership uh, uh, to women's voices in critical areas. Did it uh, feel like when this started for you, this opportunity to build this organization, that it felt very much in alignment? Yes. Like it, it was felt, easy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I found that I was going, I had gotten involved in the interfaith world again, sort of accidentally, and I would go to uh, panels and there'd be no women on them. So then they'd ask me as the only woman, I'd say, okay, well, I'm here to represent half the human race. Mm -hmm. And I found that as I opened my eyes, I hadn't been particularly conscious of this, but once I opened my eyes and saw this and I said, well, this is crazy. This is so imbalanced. You know, maybe my contribution can be to create more balance. And so, um, that was the fulfillment of many lifetimes of struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also saw uh, beha other behavioral patterns. And if we look at our own, I mean, the, 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 um, even if you don't have concrete memories, 
if you examine your life, you can see things that are troubling relationships. I had a troubling family relationship, which was troubling for many years. And I worked very hard to resolve it. It took me decades and it, it did get resolved in the end, but it took a lot of patience and a lot of effort. And to me, that was another, it was with my mother. It was a very big accomplishment uh, um, to resolve that relationship. And if I had not, if I had walked away in anger, I would have had to deal with it again in the future. And so, was, sorry, go ahead. So it, the, the relationships that we don't resolve in this lifetime, and sometimes we can't, we'll have opportunities in the future to resolve them. But why not now, <laughs> if mm -hmm. we can? <laughs> now, was this a relationship as you had gone back in past lives that you saw played out? And how did it end each time? Was it, was it always mother-daughter? Was it a different dynamic, but same soul? I, I saw that she had been my mother in the past. It's not a lifetime that I've written about. Uh, and that it was a very difficult, very overbearing relationship. And I, I, I ended up complying in many ways, which I didn't do in this, in this lifetime. But I also saw that it was more of a, of a, of a, a type, sort of like, um, it was not so much about her, really. It was about the function that she was playing, which was obstruction. I, I saw that, that number of lifetimes, I had to hide my spiritual practices. In this life, again, the main conflict with my mother was she was very opposed to my spiritual practices, which were of the Eastern, uh, from, from the East. And I had to hide them. And I automatically, as a 20-year-old girl, fell into that pattern of not telling her things and lying about things. And when I meditate, I take off the phone and say I was on the phone, of automatically, without thinking about it, hiding my spiritual practices from her because that had been ingrained in me from lifetimes earlier. And as soon as I realized that, I was able to change it mm -hmm. and be able to, to deal more openly with this is who I am. And I'm, but that was, a, that was a, you know, for everybody it's different. That was a big thing for me. Growing up at the time that I grew up in, in, in the US, uh, and my basic orientation is Hinduism, to talk about the Divine Mother, to talk about reincarnation. I became a vegetarian early on. That was very troubling to my family. It was not accepted at that time. Now, of course, everything is accepted. Mm -hmm. At that time, it wasn't. And the choice was to either confront or hide. And so I became a yogi in the closet. But I was repeating a pattern that had been initiated earlier. And how do you differentiate between what is a pattern that was initiated in a past life versus current life? You just have a difficult, overbearing mother. Well, it depends on what your reaction is. If you have an overbearing mother and it doesn't bother you, it's not, you know, if you're able to just deal with it comfortably, then that's not an important issue for you. But if it's something that's troubling inside, mm -hmm. I mean, that's where self-reflection comes in to look mm -hmm. at what's really troubling you. If it's troubling you, and if you're acting in a way, I didn't like lying to my mother. I didn't like the fact that I had to hide, uh, you know, my pictures and mortis. I didn't like that. It was troubling to me. And so I knew that this was something that I had to deal with in this life, or I'd have to deal with it in the future. Mm -hmm. It would come to me again. Have you ever had any... Um future life memories? Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking of writing about that, actually. I've, 
I've I've have another book coming out now, which which is uh, it's called Rukmini and the Turning of Time. It's about the wife of Krishna, and um, and again, so many of my books are trying to bring bring out these great women of the past, these great women saints of the past who have been brushed aside or misrepresented. But I do have memories of a future life, and I'm thinking of calling it uh, memories of a future life. <laughs> Problem is, I see my own future, but I can't quite see what the world will look like at that time. Mm. And so I, I'm, uh, we'll see whether that comes. If that comes, I'll write the book. If it doesn't, I won't be able to. What triggered that memory? Is it a memory if it, didn't, uh, if it hasn't happened well, yet? What do we call it? If, do, do we have a word for something that hasn't happened yet but comes up as a memory? Actually, it depends upon how you look at it. What it really is, is you're seeing potentialities, likely blueprints. Because when you're in the, um, uh, the other dimension, before you mm -hmm. take birth, you begin to see the blueprint of your life unfolding, but it doesn't mean you don't have choice. These are just likely scenarios that are going to be imprinted for you, or be, be, that show up for you, and that how you react will be up to you. Uh, and you can also, we are, we create our future. Nobody creates it for us. We create our future. And so if you look ahead at where you're moving, and this happens as you progress in life, as you reach, you know, past the midway point, and you realize that you've finished a lot of the things left over from the past, uh, and that you're beginning to lay the blueprint for the next, for the future. Uh, so it's really blueprints that you're seeing. But on the other hand, if you have the perspective that everything is the now, past, present, and the future, and the future is happening now, you can tap into that future. Mm -hmm. When I tap into the past, it's the now for me. I'm living it, I'm hearing it, I'm seeing it. It's the now for me. And you can tap into the future knowing that it might not unfold quite that way, but the basic framework will be, will be what you're seeing because that's where your soul is moving. That's where your creative energy is, is that's what your creative energy is unfolding for yourself. So you see what your life in particular will look like in that future lifetime. Now, do you know that that's a future lifetime and not just the future now? Yes, that I know. It doesn't make sense. Lifetime. I know okay. it, it's, not my current, it's not my current life. It's not Dina's future. <laughs> it's, it's, another it's another articulation of who I am. It's another, it's a future, okay. you know, um, and and, and I reflect on it a lot because I, 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 because it's connected to this life because I'm creating it, right? I'm, I'm doing the things that are going to lead toward that. And I see that I already have aspirations for what I would do next. I often ask people as they're approaching the end of life, what is left undone for you? Mm. That's you a great question. To ask yourself now, like, don't, don't wait till the end of life. Okay. What what, or, and what is, and what is, what, 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 if you have, if you have the opportunity to come back, how would you want that to unfold? What would you want to do in that life? Now, it doesn't all happen sequentially. You might say, oh, I want to be rich. Well, it might not happen in your next life. It might happen several lifetimes down the road. But if you want to be rich, at some point, you're going to be rich. You, you just, you can't necessarily know when mm -hmm. of course of course the the deeper spiritual aspirations are the ones that are the stronger forces 
Yeah, I was wondering, like, I want to be rich. How do you define that? What does that mean? You know, rich in, in, I'm assuming, material goods, but... I'm thinking someone who didn't have much in this life and they struggled and they say, well, I want to have, you know, I want to, don't want to struggle. I think for most of us, this is an unconscious process. Most of us are not consciously creating our future. Most people live in a much more reactive state. Mm -hmm. They react to situations that come to them and uh, uh, they're not consciously, but then there's the soul level that guides us. It is the soul level. And when you think of what is it that comes back again and again, that it's the soul creating new circumstances for itself to help in the awakening process. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense for at what point you will not need to return to a human body? I do. You're going to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, 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 there are two ways to return. One is through compulsion, through karmic compulsion, and one is through service. Okay. Service. What's karmic compulsion? Karmic compulsion is that you have some... Sounds you have, like a new DSM diagnosis we need to add. <laughs> What's your karmic compulsion? Well, you come back because you have unfulfilled karma. You have unfulfilled relationships. You have behavioral patterns that you haven't worked out. So you, you, you need to work those out. You know, you have work aspirations. You want to be a great musician. Well, you haven't had that chance. Well, you may have to spend a few more lifetimes until you can become a great musician. So you have these unfulfilled desires and aspirations. That's karmic compulsion. It's these karmic tendencies that are bringing you back to earth. But there are those who come back to serve. Humanity is going to continue to need guides and people who can lift the vibration of the planet. And so one may return, not because one has unfulfilled karma, but out of a sense of service to humanity. And, and we see many, you know, we see examples of this. The great teachers are like that. They don't have to take birth on earth. Did they take birth in order to serve? And I, I'm always, I always laugh when my spiritual friends say, well, it's my last life. I'm not coming back. And, and I say, how can you be so selfish? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they come, I'm assuming that their vibration feels different when you're here to serve. I mean, I think of, I just read um, Being Ram Das, and, you know, even just reading the book, it felt like his teacher had just a different vibration. Like, oh. and, and he, I'm assuming, did. I never got to meet him, but. Well, Ram Das said it was not his last birth, uh, but Maharaji was a liberated being, mm -hmm. you know, so, so his only purpose in being here was to serve, to be a light for those who could see him, who come across him. Uh, and then there are, of course, many, many degrees. I mean, Ramdas was a beautiful soul and brought many people to Maharaji mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, gained a lot. And here's somebody, in, as an example, who went through extreme hardship in the last 20 years of his life. Yeah. And he, he saw it as grace, mm -hmm. he saw it as grace, you know, and that's a very tough thing to be so disabled and, and not to be, not to be downtrodden or, or, or discouraged or, um, I mean, that was a great test for him and, and, it, and an example for all of us. 
how to keep our consciousness up no matter what's coming our way. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, can you, can you explain a little bit more? I always have a hard time kind of keeping in my mind the notion of karma. Bill Maher, I don't know if anybody watches Bill Maher, if you watch Bill Maher. I know him. I mean, he, no, I know a show. <laughs> he just did this thing on karma that was pretty berating of karma, but the way that Westerners have used karma as like, you know, if you, punishment. pardon me? Punishment. Yeah. Punishment, judgment. Yeah, punishment, judgment, like, kind of flippant, like, you know, oh, that's just karma coming for you. And that is not how it works. It's very complex. Okay. And the more you see, the more you realize how complex it is. And it's not necessarily linear. You know, I do this to you and you, it's going to come back to me in the same way. Basically, karma is, is, is a process of learning, of awakening, uh, 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 um, and, and, and rectifying imbalances. Mm -hmm. So if you do something horrible to something, well, you have to compensate for that in some way. How, the how and the when is left open. And I show many instances in, in my book where, where, where a, a great teacher can postpone the karmic result until a time when that, that soul, that being can learn most from it. It could be postponed many, many lifetimes. But, but at some point, at the right moment, and that's the beauty of the whole thing, it's, it's the timing of it, the right moment when the soul is ready to learn. But I think the way most of us should understand karma is our own thought patterns and behavior patterns. And the things that are difficult for us to change are there because, you know, it's like, um, you know how hard it is to break a, a habit if you want to give up coffee? How hard it is to give up coffee? Mm -hmm. You know, you want to get up every morning at dawn, how hard that is because the the brain circuitry is such that that's an ingrained habit. Most likely, if it's a deep habit, it's something you've brought with you mm -hmm. from the past. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, addictions, how hard they are to give up. And so, you know, behaviors are very much like that. Uh, reactions, you know, like like if, 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 if you have a difficult relationship with somebody and they speak harshly to you without thinking, you reply in a very harsh way. We've all done that, right? It's just an impulse, an instinctive response. That's, that's the pattern of behavior that, that you, you wanna break. And that's, that's, so karma are these imprints, these imprints that have shaped our personality through past experiences. And there are some imprints we like, some imprints we wanna change. Mm -hmm. What would you say was sort of your biggest takeaways through all of your lives that you've, that you've seen? The biggest takeaway for me, as I said, is, I mean, aside from changing the relationship with, with death, it's, it's the, the power of love, mm -hmm. the power of love from the great teachers uh, and, and how much guidance each one of us receives that we don't necessarily see or know. Mm. You know, that, that, I mean, I still can tap into the presence of many guides. And when the bright moon rises, there was a, there was a guide in the Chinese part of it a she, called Shifu. That, that means teacher in, in, in Chinese. Mm -hmm. I can still feel her presence over a thousand years later, 1500 years later. I still, because of the love that she, that, that was generated. 
uh, Sita, Sita, I wrote the book on, you know, I saw myself as a servant in Sita's household and I couldn't believe it actually. I said to myself, is this my memory or someone else's memory I'm tapping into? Because it was so long ago. And then I realized it didn't matter because I was in the presence of Sita, whether I was aligning myself with the servant who was in that household or whether I had, I had experienced it for myself, I was reliving that experience in the presence of Sita, feeling the overwhelming outpouring of love that came from her through all, for all of creation, for the animals, for the plants, for the forests. And, and having seen that, that has stayed with me. So once one has an experience, you don't forget about it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. just, just like if you have a beautiful romantic relationship, that person dies, you don't forget about it. That relationship stays with you and you can tune back into it and feel the love of that relationship. So the, the, the relationships, um, that, that is, had been to me the greatest blessing and the greatest gift that, if, that, I, that and the teaching that has come to me. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's not necessarily, it sounds like it really is like how you just feel that love. Like it's just emanates through these lifetimes. Yeah. And that's, that's the journey we're all on. We're on the way to becoming that whether it takes us two lifetimes or 10 or 50, mm -hmm. all of us are on the way to becoming that. Are any of your lifetimes for you, like, do they stand out more um, profoundly than others as like this lifetime was really transformative because of this? Or do they all have big moments of transformation? Are some kind of like, meh? There are lifetimes that I don't remember, and I think I don't remember them because there was nothing particularly significant. Um, the lifetimes that I do remember, I think I remember them because they're relevant to me now, and they, they initiated something. They were turning points for me, and I think that's why they've emerged in my memory. I, it just makes me wonder if you come back in a different in your next lifetime, if you will remember other lifetimes that you didn't remember in this lifetime. And if you will remember that you didn't remember, if you will remember that you only remembered certain ones in this lifetime versus other lifetimes. My, un my unanswered question <laughs> is, will I remember in my next birth all that I remember now? Yes. Yes. That I don't know. Yes because there's a great forgetting that happens whenever you enter human form. And the fact that I remember in this lifetime doesn't mean I'll remember in the next. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because finally when you, as you awaken, all of your memories return. A fully awakened person remembers the whole history and can see the, and can see the history of others as well. So would that be someone who could read Akashic records? Absolutely. Okay. And a lot of my memories have come through alignment with the Akashic records. In the Sita book. Yeah, it's all there. Every thought, everything is preserved in the etheric film that we know as the Akashic records. Mm -hmm. You can tune yourself in, in with that. But, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know whether in the future it will come naturally or not. Mm -hmm. most, of my, most of my memories now come in meditation. Okay. And how old were you when this first happened? I began having glimpses in my 20s, but it was when I reached 40 that I first began having the concrete, living my previous life 
I mean, really, I was living it again. It was very emotional for me. I was crying. I was going through. I was so identified emotionally. That happened when I turned 40. Okay. I just have so many questions because I feel like I've had glimpses of past lives, but then I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not really a past life. Maybe it's just something I made up. Well, I think that many people have glimpses of the past. And if, and I think you, you see what you need to know. If you, if you don't see something, that, then it's not necessary for you to know it. We can work out our issues without knowing the details of the past. Self-reflection helps us, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like meditation coupled with self-reflection helps us look at our lives sort of objectively and see if we're on the course that we, the right course for us. Mm -hmm. Are we going in the direction we want to go, you know? Um, and if not, how can we change course? So, uh, and there are people to help us along the way. All you have to do is ask for help. That's another thing I learned <laughs> is to ask for help. That's a, that's a big lesson for so many of us. Yeah. yeah. So, Dina, can I ask you a couple of fun sort of speed round questions here today? Sure. Okay, let me find them. Um, these are just this, these little questions I do at the end of my interviews. Um, okay, so finish the sentence. Spirituality means? Love. What is something most people don't know about you? My devotion to my guru. Hmm. What is one thing you are look, really looking forward to right now? Being in the presence of my guru. What is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? The love of the masters. What book is on your nightstand? Autobiography of a yogi. What is your favorite spiritual or healing practice? Meditation. What is the most transformative experience of your life? Being in the presence of Sita. Dina, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find your information, your book, everything, all the amazing things you're doing with the Global Peace, Peace Initiative of Women? The Global Peace Initiative, which is called GPIW, uh, it has a website, gpiw.org. And it also has a Facebook presence. And I have a, uh, an author's page on Facebook. And my books are on Amazon, uh, all but the Rukmini book, which will soon be on Amazon. And they'll soon be in the bookstores. But Amazon is the best way to get one of the books. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing this incredible journey through time of your life. It's really fascinating that you have had these experiences and that you remember so many of them. So thank you for being open to sharing those with us today. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Fascinating. That, that was fantastic. Oh, good. Thank okay. you. Yes, Great. that was fantastic. All right, I'm glad this really worked out yes. <laughs> after a few attempts. Yes, me and, uh, too. And I apologize for that. And this will be, I might um, try to get this up next week. I kind of fell behind a or ahead, I guess. I had a lot of people and then it sort of slowed down. So I think I should be able to turn this quickly. 
Wonderful. Um, okay. You take care. Yes, you too. Thank be you well. so much. Bye-bye. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.